This episode is the first one of Season 2 of Through a Glass Darkly, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you in the coming weeks all of the great conversations I've had with people around faith and mental illness. For today's episode, though, the tables are turned. I'm the one in the hot seat as I sit down with my friend Bianca and share a little bit about my own story. We talk about everything from rapture fear to the time I thought God was telling me I shouldn't buy a car. This is Through a Glass Darkly, the podcast about following Jesus while living with a mental illness. So today we are joined by Bianca, but it's a little bit of a different different take because Bianca is actually going to be the one asking the questions. I'm in the hot seat. I'm in the hot seat today. And this was uh, this was largely, I think, your idea. I hadn't even considered it. And then you were like, hey, when are you going to be a guest? So we can blame yeah. you. We can blame you for that. Yeah, I have no problems with that. But uh, it was good. It got me thinking. And then I, I figured if uh, if so many people were kind enough and generous enough with their own stories i could i could bite the bullet and and talk to you so thanks for pushing me welcome yes thank you thank you yeah this is gonna be this will be good all right well let me turn it over to you then here we go it's my debut as a podcaster i know the world has waited for this for I've so long a lot of a lot of emails <laughs> yeah all right here we go matt So you usually start with this question, and I think it's a really good one. Um, Tell us about how you came to faith. Maybe you could tell us about like your growing up family and what like um, role faith played in your growing up family. And yeah, maybe your first awareness of God. We'll leave that as open as you'd like it. I would say I grew up in the church. Um, I think we were we've gone to church for as long as I can remember. Like even as a kid, I remember like very young. Yeah. Being in Sunday school and my parents signed me up and put me in Christian school from JK on. So that was, I mean, you spent a lot of time in school when you're a kid. So that was a huge part of my, my day being in that kind of environment. When I look back, I think my parents, my mom was certainly the driver, I would say of, of the whole faith piece in our family. Um, she grew up Pentecostal. She's from Slovenia and, uh, her dad was actually a pastor in Slovenia. Um, I think it was a Pentecostal church and, uh, yeah, overseas Pentecostalism of that time is, is, uh, an interesting beast I'll say. So she has stories of like, yeah, like being like kicked out of her church cause she was wearing jeans or like, uh, oh, wow. Or like, yeah, like really disparaging remarks made to her because she was wearing lipstick and stuff. Like she, it was very, very legalistic. Then there was a time where she kind of rebelled against that, which like under, understandable, who wants to be a part of that? Um, and then I think if I'm remembering right from what she was, she's told me, I think me, yeah, when I was, she got pregnant with me, I think that was kind of like the the starting of like the coming back. To, to faith and kind of figuring out what that was all about in her life. But she was, I think, much more, it was much more a part of her life, I think, than my dad who grew up, like he was born in England. So like Church of England, but I don't, I don't, I don't know what role it would have played in his life. He wasn't very vocal about it. And uh, I don't think he was a huge fan 
of the Pentecostal experience, I'll say. So uh, I, th- I think he just went to to make my mom happy. But yeah, not not super excited about the whole charismatic experience. So yeah, it was definitely in our, our family, but it was that weird tension of like, maybe my dad wasn't fully on board with everything that was happening, but just kind of went along with it because my mom. And so, but I think her her experience of of faith and her faith tradition was very influential in how she kind of taught me about it. So I don't, I don't want to say it was like legalistic, but I do think there were, yeah, there were, there were shades of that. I would say not to the degree that she would experienced at all. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I definitely think that, yeah, there was, there was certainly an emphasis on like right living, I think. And yeah, so, so there was that. And then, and then the school that they, they placed me in uh, Queensway was uh, it was a school that was launched and supported by Queensway Cathedral, which is like the biggest Pentecostal church or was anyways, might still be mm-hmm. uh, in Toronto. So, so yeah, so they similar kind of a faith approach. So yeah, like I, yeah, I remember we'd have like chapel and, you know, we we're talking about God and things like that. But I think as I got older yeah there was there was certainly like more of an emphasis on um like these are the things these are the things that you should not be doing if you're a christian (laughs) so right um yeah so i think like my real uh, yeah i mean it's kind of jumping ahead but i I do think Mm -hmm. like anxiety was such a huge part of my like faith experience from a very young age so like i remember going to like heaven's gates and hell's flames and i've joked about it on on this yeah, mm-hmm. on this podcast so many times with so many different people, but it, like it was, it was like, man, you got to get, you got to be sure you got to make sure you're, you're right. Or else you're going to end up being dragged away from your parents into hell by Satan. Uh, so how did that play out for you? Like when you're like a young child? Yeah, I was terrified. It was for sure. Okay. Like, I, I don't know if all kids are this way, but like, I, what kinds of sins does an eight-year-old get up to? But I do think it was like, yeah. I, it was like, yeah, like for sure, I would be the one that wouldn't be living up to it. So like, I better make sure. So, uh, so are you saying like the sinner's prayer every night before bed? I don't think or... it was, It I think it was more when it was like presented to me. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would get resaved at every heaven's gates and hell's flames right. production that I ever went to mm-hmm. um, like that kind of a thing. Yeah, Cause I do yeah. think it, it like played on the kind of like underlying anxiety of like, well, how can I be sure about any of this? Like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing a great job. I don't even like as, you know, however old, I don't even know what that would look like or what I thought in my head. But I think, yeah, that anxiety was kind of always there. And then, yeah, I think when you're in a, yeah, in a, in a context where there is an emphasis on, um, yeah, the, the things that you, you're supposed to be doing if you're living a way that is pleasing to God, then that just kind of exaggerates it, I think. So like mm. the first kind of big things that I remember was uh like secular music just like a huge okay. thing I remember them making us watch this movie Hell's Bells anyways if yeah, <laughs> I want, yeah it was just like it, it literally it was like a 45 minute movie of like it was like a litany of all these secular artists that you you should be aware of and like on guard against and it was everything from like like hardcore satanic death metal to right. Frank Sinatra's My Way oh. Oh my right? gosh. Like, okay. like everything, yeah. everything was covered. <laughs> and you, um, like, correct me if I'm wrong, were, you know, a big punk rock fan. 
So this was pretty devastating. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was even before I really got into music. So like, yeah. you know, they're talking about this stuff and I was like, all right, sure. I guess I'll like, I'll throw out my crisscross tape. Like, I don't know. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, so this yeah, is like, like you're really on like, on like the tail end or maybe the thick of like satanic panic. Like maybe you're getting. True. Yeah. Like, yeah. Time... I think it's the residuals. Yeah, Actually, yeah, my, yeah. my guess is the, the Pentecost. I feel like the Pentecostal church and I, Listen, I have a complicated relationship with them. So I apologize if it seems like I'm being unduly hard on them. But I think they were, it seemed like they were always a few years behind. So it's like, I think maybe it hit them a little bit later. But did you think that when you were that young? Or were you, did you just like, as you became into music, did you, were you really selective about what you listened to because of all these kind of lessons that you've been taught? be very aware of the devil invading secular music i i think the music was probably it's probably a like a microcosm of mm. of everything else where it's it was presented as this thing that you should be fearful of right i enjoyed it and so there was always like a deep ambivalence and anxiety around it i really like this but i'm told i shouldn't like this and i don't know if i really understand why that's the case and so I would like try and toe the line and like go through the phase of like, yes, like I'll get rid of all my CDs. And then I'd be like rebuying them. <laughs> like, okay. okay. You know, and it's like, no, yeah. I like this too much. And then, and so it was like that kind of a cycle of, yeah, like fighting against it and then like giving in or in like a, yeah, in a fit of like religious fervor, like, yes, like I'm recommitting myself. Um, yeah. And then that would, that would kind of die off. So, so yeah. So I feel like that pattern that I think the, the earliest I can remember is with music, but I think that that pattern kind of played itself out. Yeah. in, in lots of different ways. So yeah, like, then I think of like, you know, so teenage years and everything that's going on in there. And I think I genuinely did want to like serve God and be a good Christian. I don't know if I fully figured out my motivations for that. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of it was, was coming from a good place or like something that God was doing in my life. But I think there was, there was a significant part of it that was driven by uh, fear. And I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to this later, but yeah, like a, a sense of like, okay, well, this will fix me. I did struggle a lot with not feeling great about myself or like really, yeah, really not being happy with, with myself. And I think the gospel as I, I don't even want to say as it was presented to me, I think it was a, mm. a combination of how it was talked about. And I think just where I was coming from, that it was set up as like, well, this, like, there's something broken with you. And I was like, yes, I, yes, that is true. Um, and this will fix you. And I was like, great. Sign, Sign me up. up. Yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. So yeah, but then, then I think it was the, the fixing was always very, very um, tied in with right actions, right? Like you, mm. God is pleased with you as long as you're doing like these things. And if you're not, then he's displeased with you. And like, there's the whole Pentecostal part of like, you know, he'll remove his spirit from you or like, you know, whatever, mm. like this, this idea of, of distance though, like God can't, God can't use you. God can't be around you if you're, if you're sinning, if you're messing up. So yeah, I think for somebody that already kind of has anxiety, that's not a super helpful message to be receiving. Yeah. So I think 
certainly like in my teen years, I think, yeah, it was the cycle of, you know, going to youth group or going to conferences and stuff and like getting really passionate about it and really wanting to, to be different or to serve God or whatever. And then life being life and me not maybe living the way that I wanted to, or, um, yeah, or making mistakes or whatever. And then just feeling like, okay, well I'm failing. So yeah, like what's kind of, what's the point and kind of giving up a little bit and then, you know, go, go to another conference and get your fresh dose of whatever. And so, yeah, just kind of like that spiral over and over again. I think of myself as a teenager, kind of like doing the same thing. I feel like it's a very similar story. We recommit at every conference, every altar call, but sometimes like I would just take it as like, oh, like Jesus's blood has covered my sin, kind of take advantage of that. Like I'm forgiven anyway. And I wonder if, I don't know, your Pentecostal upbringing or maybe it's just my selfishness got in the way. Like there's something about this like weight of right living, like right action seemed to matter so much. And is that like, would you say that's like a really significant part like of Pentecostal teaching? Or was it like more your upbringing? Is it a mix of both? Um, I, I, I do think it is a, a, a strain of Pentecostalism for sure. So actually somebody that I, I talked to for the podcast for this season that hasn't come out yet, but um, mm-hmm. like she talks about her experiences in the 70s and 80s mm. Pentecostalism. And that was like, yeah, like really. Burn your records. Yeah, really. Yeah, like yeah. don't go to the movies. Don't Don't play yeah. cards. Don't, you know. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So I do think there is a, it's, it's the, the holiness movement. Um, mm. f- I think origins of, of Pentecostalism. Um, but I do think there was this weird, and again, I don't know, I don't know if it was just me and like how I kind of was hearing these things and internalizing it. But I do remember there was always this really, really strong undercurrent of, of like proving yourself. Life was a test to show God how much you like loved him or how much you were willing to give up for him or mm. whatever. And it played itself out in like so many different weird ways. Like even in, in conferences and stuff, like it was never enough. It was never enough to like have a response in your own inner being, right? Like if somebody was like right. saying something, it was never enough to just like quietly reflect for yourself. Like, yes, mm. this is what it means for me. Like y- there had to be something some sort of like outward yeah some sort of like public something and it had to be Uh extreme right like you had to stand up and yell or you had to like run down to the altar or like things like that right and so like Mm -hmm. I think even in those moments I was like deeply uncomfortable with all those things a lot of the times so then it's like is there like something is there something wrong with me like why this seems easy for other people and I don't want to do this at all and so I think that was yeah that that like pressure to prove yourself and to, to always be kind of like questioning how much you love God or how much you were willing to, to give up for God like that, I think was very uh, formative and how I understood what it meant to follow, to follow Jesus and like what it kind of like what he expected of us and what a relationship with him would look like. Did your peers, like, did you notice if your peers struggled with this as well? Um, did, like was there competition among you like did you feel that I don't know it was okay. weird like I don't actually think we 
we talked about it a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I don't know anybody's like heart or inner thoughts yeah. from what any of my friends had ever like shared with me or any kind of conversations that I remember having with it. I don't think many of them lived with like the same level of angst that I did around like yeah. feeling guilty about like not not living up or anxious about mm-hmm. yeah like anxious about my eternal destiny like so that one of the big things and again like I don't know if you weren't if you were any in evangelicalism at the time or maybe even the Pentecostal church but like the rapture like that was a huge huge thing of he's coming back at any minute and so, and I've talked to so many people, but it's, it's like rapture fear where you would get this, like, yeah. you know, something would happen. It's like, was this it? Did I miss it? You know, but like, it was super, I joke about it, but it really was like, I remember there'd be times where like, I couldn't eat for like two or three days thinking this is it. This is the end of the world. And I'm not gonna, like, I'm just not going to cut it. Like, there's no way. And so I think, I think I just couldn't. So like, I feel like that kind of happened on and off for a lot of my teenage years. And I think it just got to the point where I was like, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't, Mm. you know, to be this anxious about it and to feel this guilty all the time and um, to feel like a failure all the time. Like it just, I I realized that the, the heart of the gospel is grace, but like, I don't even really remember that ever registering. It was like a begrudging, like, yeah, like you're a complete screw up, but Jesus, He'll you know, put up with you. yeah, like he saved you. I mean, we're thank God. Cause really, yeah. you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't deserve it yes. at all. Yeah. It never felt certain. I guess it never felt okay. sure. It was always conditional, I think, based on my ability to like respond to it in an right. appropriate way. And I don't, I never felt like I was, or at least for like mm. a significant amount of time. And so so what's like the tipping so, yeah. point for you? Maybe this is like kind of where you share, maybe you've kind of talked about like the anxiety has like was always there, but when do you really, when does it really click for you? Like, this is not right. Like I cannot do this anymore. I can't live this way. And are you aware that there's like mental illness playing into this as well? Um, certainly no awareness of, of like mental illness or mental health struggles whatsoever which is like Mm -hmm. like it's is almost hilarious in a way because like when I look back now it's it's just like so clear I was such an anxious kid so like you know I talked with Jess um, Mm -hmm. for the first season which I'm putting in air Mm -hmm. quotes um, and talks about her you know she's talking about her anxiety as a kid but like yeah like same same thing like I I went and saw a counselor when I was in like grade two or three because I was Mm -hmm. so anxious I couldn't like I couldn't fall asleep until my parents were asleep like I was convinced they were gonna die or run off or you know just like really really weird anxiety things that kind of was all throughout my childhood but that I think didn't really have I don't think we had language for or even awareness of so it was I think it was just like oh like he's just sensitive or a baby or you know whatever and it's like looking back now it's like oh no like I was worried all the time <laughs> like there was just right. no yeah um so yeah so I don't think yeah certainly not awareness of that I don't know I don't know that there was one tipping point I like to think and kind of understand it as like the combination of of yeah like not really not really understanding grace and and 
being in a context of the constant feeling like you have to prove yourself or that like God was testing you combined with anxiety. And then, yeah, like I think, you know, there were things, you know, I think particularly like around pornography and things like that, right? Like that was a huge thing that I struggled with. And there was like no, there was no frame to understand it other than like, there's something wrong with you and you should be able to stop doing this. And if you're not, then, you know, then you don't, you don't love God or like God is really disappointed. So yeah, I think it got to the point where it's like, okay, like I'm failing, I'm failing anyways. So just, you know, um, and I do think there is a time where sin is really fun, you know, for a while or just like living. Yeah. What does it look like for you? Yeah. When you like, just kind of give up, you're like, I'm never gonna get it quite right. There's obviously something wrong with me. Let's just steer steer into the skid. Yeah. (laughs) Steer into the skid. Yeah, exactly. Um, or like, how old are you at this point? Yeah, probably like 17, 17 or 18, like an awareness of God and, and still like the, 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 (laughs) I don't think the guilt necessarily went away all that much. Probably did a little bit, but I think, Mm -hmm. I think I just stopped I think there's like an identity piece or something. Like if you if you consider yourself a Christian or like you were a certain type of Christian and your life doesn't line up with that, I think if you're like somewhat aware, there's like a dissonance that you can't live with. It's like, I'm calling myself this, but I'm doing yeah. this. And for me, that was just really, yeah, that caused a lot of angst. So I think once mm-hmm. I kind of let go of the like, I'm calling myself a Christian, I think if anybody would ask me, I probably would have said I was, but I don't. I think in my own head, I didn't really, I let go of that. It was kind of like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to organize my life around this anymore. I don't know. Like, it's not like I went out and started murdering people. Um, (laughs) I think, I mean, I certainly made some, some terrible relational choices, I'll say, Mm. um, that were, that were pretty damaging all around. So that would probably be one big part of it. Yeah, I, I was... I was unhappy. I don't, but I don't think I was like super happy before. So I don't know if that was that much of a difference. It just wasn't a part of my life, I guess. Like I would still go to church because my mom would, would be upset if I didn't go and I was living at home. So, so yeah, like I would go, but it wasn't like, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't holding myself to any sort of real standards or anything like, oh, I better do this because I'm a Christian, I think is more what that was. So and yeah, I mean, I think the one, the one big thing was, yeah, like around pornography, like I think that to a certain degree, I, th- I think the, the, the moral framework, I guess, that Christianity or, or like me trying to be a Christian provided, I think was a little bit of like a check on that. And I think, yeah, once that kind of disappeared, then I think that part really, um, well, not, I think it did, like it got pretty, pretty out of control, um, mm-hmm and was uh was pretty pretty unhealthy and made me pretty miserable so i think yeah when i like look back at that time i think that part of it probably is is the thing that more dominates it because it was it did become more intense and more out of control but also because i think there still was 
there still was an awareness of like, there, there's just something wrong here though. Like this is not, yeah. like this is not healthy. This is not, there's nothing enjoyable or like, I wouldn't have used the word, but like life-giving about this. Like this is, this is awful, but I don't know. I don't know how to stop this. Like I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know why something that I hate so much is still something that is so, has such like a hold on me. I have two questions and maybe it's like a choose your own adventure. So you go through this like really dark time, late teens, early twenties. My one adventure is you can tell me what happens next. Is there a turning point or do you want to share about kind of your first awareness of um, your mental illness? Does it play into the season? Maybe it's a, both and, but choose your own adventure here. So I think actually I have, I've had a very, very late awareness with my mental health and stuff and, and it kind of what's been going on with that probably really only been honestly in the past, probably three or four years where I've really okay. like, yeah, like come to some awareness of what's, what is going on and kind of what's, what's been there for a lot of my life. Um, Okay. So, so yeah, I think at the time, yeah, this was not, there wasn't any awareness and I, this will become more clear even. So maybe I'll, I'll do the, what happens next. And then that will will lead into what really, what clearly should have been signs, but weren't Mm -hmm. for various reasons. Yeah. I am not making healthy choices and I am really, yeah, really not doing well, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, in pretty much all parts of my life, probably. Um, but I was I was living at home, so I would still be going to church. And uh, there was one Sunday that I went to church, and that's kind of when everything happened. But like the month, probably the month or two leading up to that, I had started uh, making changes. Probably isn't the right word, but I think there had mm-hmm. been a little bit of a movement towards God in the sense of like I just like I am in a bad place here and I can't I don't know what to do anymore um but I don't mm-hmm. want to be here and I don't know what you can do but um yeah. yeah honestly it was it was just kind of prayers like that like I hate this I hate myself I don't know what to do can is there like anything that you can do here so yeah so like I said I was still going to church and um so I went to went to church this one Sunday and like I said I'd, I'd been kind of like these these like very simple prayers probably the month before so anyway so I go and uh, there was this guest speaker at the church and I honestly don't remember if he was like preaching and this like came up at the end or right when he came up but so this is a very Pentecostal thing so this is why like Mm -hmm. I have such an ambivalent like I feel like there were so many things when I look back it's like man they really like missed the boat on that or that was super damaging Mm -hmm. or whatever but then as the story will tell only the Pentecostals would also be like, there's a speaker that comes up and he's like, God is telling me that there's three people in this room that he wants to like, I don't even remember the words that he used. Let's just say deal with, or like whatever, <laughs> deal with sounds ominous. So a, a yeah. gentler form of deal with. So anyways, okay. so he says that and two people go up and he's like, no, there's still one more person here. I'm dying. Like, oh no, yeah, this is bad. Uh, and I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going up. And he's like, it's a young man. I was like, uh-oh, I'm still not going to go up. And he came, so, <laughs> so our church was divided into four, basically like pew aisles. 
where they were okay. like 15, probably 15 people could sit on them. And there was like four sections of it. And he comes to my okay. section and he's like, it's a young man in this section, whatever he says, like God wants to whatever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. I guess it's me. Um, oh my gosh. So Pentecostal in the sense of like, I don't know too many other faith traditions where they'd be like, God is telling me this just completely like, this isn't a script. I'm just like putting myself out there. I could be completely wrong. And then it was also super Pentecostal because I had to walk up to the front and like get prayed Oof. for. So, yeah. so it was a long walk. It was a long walk. I'll say that. <laughs> and your mom is there. Yeah. Like, I think I had to, yeah, walk past my dad to like get there, which was, yeah, it was, oh. it was all sorts of awkward. But like when you're one, when it's like that, I want to say miraculous. I've said it to other people and they're like, well, you know, it could have been like, okay, sure. Like you can. There can be many interpretations, but I don't, anyways, I won't get into that. I'm going to call it miraculous. Yeah. Take it, take yeah. it for what it is. Yeah. From kind of like that point on, like literally to the day, like my life changed. Wow. Like it just, it just did. Yeah. I really was different. Like I, the, the idea of like mm. born again is a, it's a picture that makes sense to me. Cause it was like my experience. Wow. Um, and again, like, you know, if we're getting into deep theology around like salvation, was I already saved? And this was just like an important part of my life, or this was actually the time when I got saved. I don't really care. It was, it was just this really significant moment that, that I would say kind of changed the trajectory of my life probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and it's funny, like, I think the big, the most en- enduring thing about that experience, I think was like this awareness or like openness or whatever to to like god loving me like i feel like that Mm. was like the the main thing where it was like i had all these things going on in my life and all these things i was ashamed of or struggling with and and there was i think in that moment like a really deep sense of like like none of that matters though not that it doesn't matter and like yeah you know but like in terms of like relationally or god's love for you like it that doesn't that doesn't stop it does that stick no not at all okay great not at all um (laughs) but it's a moment it's like a crack yeah for sure yeah yeah yeah. okay i think that was like the most compelling part of it was because i was so i was so deep in shame um Mm -hmm. and like self-hatred so i think to have this yeah this like very tangible experience of like okay but i don't feel that way about you I think was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty liberating. Of course. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I think, I think if you were to ask other like family members or people who knew me at the time, like, I think it was like a pretty radical shift. I think at first it wasn't even like an effort thing necessarily. It was just like, Oh, like this, this is just how I want to live now. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then, so what does that, like, sorry, what does that look like? Like I went from, this to this or like I was doing this like what happens with like the pornography what happens with like the shame spirals is yeah, there just so, like yeah what happens yeah so so like specifically I think with the pornography like I want to be careful when I because this is not I wouldn't even see this as like the majority experience and yeah. I wouldn't say that this has even been my experience since then like the whole time but certainly for that time it was like a switch like it just Mm. 
the day before I would say I, I had no control over it. And then the day after it was like, oh, I can actually like, I can say no to this. Like this is, well, yeah. this is something I can walk away from. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like anger and, and yeah, like the, the self-loathing and all that, like that, I wouldn't say that was like a switch, but certainly there was a heaviness I would say that was lifted. And I, I think I felt, I felt free, I think is probably, mm-hmm. probably the best way to put it. And like free to be free to be a person I didn't think I could be, I guess, or didn't, mm-hmm. didn't, yeah, I didn't know it was possible or like, and yeah, it was, it was exciting. I would say that overall, like I think, especially in those those first, I say the honeymoon phase or whatever. But <laughs> I honestly, like I, because I, I thought about it, I think it's almost like, and I don't, I've never been blind, but like I think about mm. if I was blind and suddenly I could see, and like there's all these colors and and like scenery and all this beauty, like it felt like that, like I had, wow. I had been blind or like I'd only ever seen gray, and now, mm-hmm. you know, life was like full of color and and hope and I, it sounds hokey but like I don't know how else to to describe it like it yeah that's it, beautiful it felt uh it felt alive so yeah like a really transformative moment and like I think some really mm-hmm. beautiful things happened happened like as a result of that and like I had some really um I would say like significant experiences like personal experiences with God um mm. So yeah, so that was really good. But I think, and and this I think is where like now looking back, I think mental illness was like, okay, wait, wait a second. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, wait a second here. Um, yeah. Where I think that in in the midst of of yeah, like those really positive experiences and like really transformative um this really transformative moment. And like, I really was a different person, but there's still, yeah, there were still some really unhealthy things I think that were going on. And I think, I think that after this, this, this transformative moment happened, I think a lot of those things were channeled into um, like a religious expression, okay, if you will. So, I mean, the main thing and, and the thing that I thought of, when you know I was considering doing this was around the anxiety came back in a very significant way I would say mm-hmm. and and pretty pretty quickly and it was very much around kind of like it had been before but I think it was almost yeah it was, it was almost worse it was it was more uh yeah more powerful or whatever um mm-hmm. around yeah just around like religious performance um, okay. I think was a big thing. And again, still being like in the Pentecostal world, uh, I don't think, again, I think it was a combination of like messages that I was hearing, plus all of my like mental illness stuff, plus all my previous experiences. But I do, it did feel like there was still this emphasis on, okay, but you have to, like, you're going to have to prove yourself. Every day was a test of like, how much do you love God? Like, do you love him enough to, like there used to be this joke of like, don't ever, don't ever tell God you're not, you're never going to go to Africa because he'll send you to Africa. Like that right. kind of a thing, right? Where it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. God knows, yeah, the vulnerabilities in your life. And in it was never like, 
there was like never a suggestion, I don't think, of like God would ever be interested in like protecting those things or like being gentle with them. It was like, no, like those are the things that God's going to go after um, to make you prove how much you love him mm-hmm. or to make you prove how dedicated you are or like how in my case very much around like how grateful you are mm-hmm. to him for like what he's done in your life so i think something that I, I i truly believe did start off with like a very grace-filled experience very quickly turned into not that where it right. was a lot of like guilt and fear and anxiety around okay but are you are you living up to this now? I don't know how to describe it other than to give examples. So like I would be, I would be tormented by the thought of like, does God want me to give up my TV? Which like, I say it out loud and it's like, you're a crazy person, but yes, yes, actually, you know, like I'd be praying and it's like, I'd have this sense and it's like, does God want me to give away my TV? Like, should I do that? Should I, and then I would like spiral though. Like, I don't Mm want to give away my TV. Like I like watching TV. And then it's like, well, if you loved God, you would, this wouldn't even be an issue. Like how, how you, how can you compare TV to this, this salvation that God has given you? That's where it would go. In those moments, does it feel like, can you identify like, you know, the enemy's voice? Like, are you putting a name to that like are you like kind of arguing with the devil or with yourself like do you see no it's god it's god it's you and god God. yeah like god god wants us of me and i yeah i can't give it to him i'm not good enough. or i don't i'm yeah okay i'm not good enough i don't love him enough uh i don't have enough faith so you're right like you're kind of right back where you were oh yeah but much worse much worse worse yeah um, because so I think, I think I was a lot more invested in the sense of like, I really, I really felt like this was the right thing. And like, I had, I couldn't deny like what had God had done in my life. Like there wasn't, yeah. so it was, it was, I would say it was much worse. And like this, th- that like one example played out hundreds of times over like, right. <laughs> I, t- <laughs> I was thinking about these stories when I was thinking about coming, yeah, talking to you and it's just mm-hmm. like what the heck but share another one there's oh um i would go to the movies and like as i'm like paying for my ticket like racked with anxiety and guilt of like should i be watching this movie i think god doesn't want me to watch this movie i shouldn't buy this ticket oh but i'm here with my friends like i can't just back out now okay well i guess you don't really love god so i wouldn't back out i'd buy the ticket and then i'd be Mm -hmm. miserable okay because i'm i'm like failing god did you ever we, punish yourself? Not like self-harm or anything like that. I think mm-hmm. I, I think it's probably like a combo, like punishment slash showing how God, how like committed I was or how much I did really loved him by like, then like trying to do things that were really difficult for me to do. And then being oh, like, okay. oh, like this is, I failed here, but I can, I'll make it better here. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we, the first car I ever had knew my dad, he, yeah, he must've like leased it. I think that was the deal. Actually, I, I went to school, I paid for my tuition and all that kind of stuff. And they paid for the lease. Um, so yeah. him and I went to the dealership to, to like, take a look at this car. Yeah. So we're, we're in the, we're in the office with the, the car salesman and we're like wrapping it up. And I can't, I honestly, I don't even remember. He said something about 
Christianity or, or something. And I'm like, oh, I should say something here. Like, this is my chance to like witness. Like I'm, okay. this is it. Yeah. If anybody knows, like, I, I don't really say hi to people. Like, that's just not, <laughs> this is not me. Um, yeah. So I didn't say anything and just, oh no, this was it. it sorry. It was, <laughs> oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. So we're like about to sign the papers and I have it in my head. God doesn't want you to get this car. There's like another car out there that if you just have faith and not get this car, you can get another car. Like God, this is what God wants you to do. And I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the dealership office, like sweating, thinking I, this is not, this is not right. Like, I don't even know if I would consider it sinning, but right. yeah, it was, it was outside of God's will. Yes. This is outside of God's will. This is like another way that God is like testing or whatever. Wow. Yeah. And of course I don't say anything and we sign it and it's a great car, but like, I'm just like, <laughs> like racked with guilt. Of Every like, time you drive it? No, no. It like it, it would pass, but certainly okay, for good. like two, three days afterwards, like I've failed, like this is God knows what else was out there that I could have, like he had this blessing for me, maybe that like very Pentecostal that one, but yeah. um, so yeah. So it was that over and over and over again, but the, so the, but the main way that it played out was through evangelism. So okay, Pentecostals, maybe all evangelicals, I can only talk from my, my Pentecostal experience, mm-hmm. but certainly at that time it was very evangelistic. Yeah. You don't should miss be, an opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity. And I remember so many, I vividly remember this one story this guy told, he was, a, he was a speaker at a youth, youth retreat. And he's like, yeah, I was like driving and I felt God tell me to pull over at this gas station. And I went in and he, I felt God tell me that he wanted me to ask this woman how he was doing. So I asked her and she pulled out a shotgun and was like, I told God that if nobody came in tonight to ask me how I was doing, I was going to kill myself. This was a story that he told. Oh my gosh. The moral being always listen to God. You never know whose life you could save. Right? So when you have anxiety, that is not a helpful lesson because you can't let go of that no you are responsible. you pass every gas station and you're yes. like there's somebody in there do you ever act on any of these things like do you have a moment where you're like i sense god calling me to the gas station and yeah, i need so, to go- okay so this is how it played out mm-hmm. this constant like is god asking me to do this thing uh, really like reared its head with this whole evangelism thing where I felt like God constantly wanted me to be talking to people about Jesus and like, not like, Hey, here's your friend. Who's like opened up. This is like a beautiful opportunity to share about the hope that we have in Christ. It's like, I'm in a subway eating a sandwich and it's like, I should go talk to that person and just like ambush them because this is what I feel like God wants me to do. I hate it and I don't want to do it at all, but I feel like I'm a failure if I don't do it. So So do you do it? So a lot of the times, yeah, I was doing it. And there was like, there was no, there was no joy in it whatsoever. Mm. Like it was, it was, I was anxious all the time. And I think it got to the worst point, I think when, um, so I went to Waterloo, University of Waterloo, and we had a co-op program. And so Mm -hmm. on my co-op terms, I would usually get a job in Toronto. And so I could live at home and then take the GO train in. And the go train is like fertile evangelism. Oh, it's, it's a, great soil. It's, it's great right, soil. <laughs> it's a ripe field. 
Um, I took the go train too. I know, I know it well. Yeah. Oof. And I mean, it, it 100% isn't because nobody wants to talk and like, they hate no. you if you breathe on them. So no. um, they did institute the quiet zone. Um, yeah. In my too later late. years, too, too late, late for you. me. Sadly. <laughs> Um, I understand. Okay. So you, you're, you're in fertile evangelism soil. Yeah. And so, yeah. So every, every day there was this like, yeah, internal pressure Mm -hmm. and angst about like, I got to be telling people about Jesus. Like I, this is something I need to be doing, even though I hated it. Um, and it, like, I want to be like it, I think it actually started from, from like a really good place of like, I can't believe that this is what God is actually like, yeah. people should know about this. <laughs> like this, yeah. that really yeah. was, I think where it started, yeah. but combination, I think of, of my experiences and my mental illness, the anxiety and stuff. I think it very quickly morphed that into, you have to perform. It's going to be things that you hate to do, um, mm-hmm. but you, you have to do it to prove yourself. So, I mean, I would do, like, I would read like obviously Christian books on, the train and hope like somebody would ask me a question and then pounce but like no one ever really did right much to my much to my sadness don't don't hear this the wrong way and hopefully people still think i'm a christian after this but i kind of think that was god's mercy for you <laughs> yeah. nobody asked no it uh, probably just was. knowing you now just knowing you now like you you make every effort to make sure people don't ask you about anything when you're in a public space you know, it's, it's headphones on head down. Like, let's just get through it. Yes. Um, That's Um, so interesting. It was awful. Like it was, it was this overwhelming pressure to, to do this thing that I didn't want to do that made me Mm -hmm. feel really, I didn't want to, yeah, I I just didn't want to do it. Um, But then feeling like a failure who didn't love God if I didn't do it. And like right. in my really darkest moments, it'd be like, and and I really remember having this thought, there's this passage in Revelation where it talks about the lake of fire and it says that the people who go there are the liars, the cowards, and there's like a few other people. It's a long list, but I'm like, that's me. Like I'm the coward. I won't, wow. I won't talk to people about. So, so that was my mental state. Like that's where I was at. Um, that is heavy anyway. and overwhelming and dark. Yeah. So- I was never like officially diagnosed, but there was a mm-hmm. podcast that you recommended to me probably about a year, maybe even more than a year ago. It was about religious scrupulosity, which is this, mm-hmm. like this, yeah. it's basically religious OCD where mm-hmm. it's this compulsion to do this activity that you cannot, yeah, like you have to do it in order to get relief, which is very much what this was. Oh, it didn't man. matter really how it went. Like I just needed to do the thing and then I would feel relief for a little while until there was like a new person that I was supposed to talk to. So yes, want to be clear, no formal diagnosis, but when I mm-hmm. listened to this podcast and they were talking, I was like, Oh, Oh, so that's what that was. That is 100% it. You seem to not be doing this anymore. You know, you're not reading your religious books on the go train, hoping that somebody asks you about it. When did things change and how did things change? And then maybe talk about like your view of God, like how, how does it all change for you? Because it's pretty like just knowing you now and not knowing you then I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known this about you. You seem to have like a very different perspective 
and live out of a very different place now. In terms of like the like religious scrupulosity specifically, mm -hmm. I think that it lasted a long time. Mm -hmm. um, like I would say probably years. I think it was at its very worst for like a few months, but I think for sure that was like something that was operating for three, four or five years. Okay. I don't really know. I don't really know what happened. I think, and maybe this is, this means that it wasn't religious scrupulosity because it just mm -hmm. kind of went away. Although I don't, it went away in the sense of like, I didn't, I didn't have that much angst over those specific types of things anymore. Um, okay. I think I kind of just had to get to the point where I was like, I, I actually like physically can't live this way. And so I almost just have to accept that I would say it was somewhere between like, I'm a failure or this is just all I have. And so if this isn't good enough, then I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how to finish that sentence, but like, I clearly have tried very hard to do this and I can't do it anymore. So yeah, this is kind of where that's at. So it certainly wasn't like replaced with this, with any like, enduring beautiful vision of god's grace it was more mm -hmm. like i think it was more exhaustion um yeah. and and almost like a choice to just like not think about it okay. i think for years i just lived with like i don't know how to understand what that was um and it could be that i was like completely wrong about it and i i am like a total failure but yeah more just like kind of tucking it away in a corner mm -hmm. and being like okay yeah. i'm just not going to think about that yeah i think anxiety probably still I don't think it was ever that, I don't think it's been that severe around religious stuff since then. Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, the, the residual beliefs, I guess, that were driving that. I don't, I don't know if they've ever really gone away of like, this is how God operates. Like he will okay. require things of you that are really difficult on purpose in order to, to like test your, your love or your commitment to him or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'd say that probably still is lurking there. I, I think it's only, it's probably, yeah, like I said, probably in the last three or four years really that has been where I've, I've, I've kind of had the, I think the awareness of, of like my anxiety and depression then to like, mm -hmm. take a look back and, and say like, okay, so like, that's, that's actually what was going on. Yeah. It's funny. Even now, I, I think I could say that that wasn't God, but I, mm -hmm. I can certainly say like, there is, 100% anxiety going on there. Like right. that is not, those are not normal. Not everybody thinks this way, I guess. But there's yeah. still a hesitation to say that wasn't God, you know, in the car dealership. I think the difficulty for me is that I don't, I think that view of God is just so ingrained that like, yes, I can, I can say that that was, that was the anxiety, but mm -hmm. my view of God is like, the one who tests and the one who like requires difficult things like that, I think is still very much rooted in me. Mm -hmm. So those two aren't easily teased apart. I right. think so. Yes. I don't, I, I'm not anxious anymore about like, does God want me to give up my TV? But I do, I do struggle with, okay, I don't really know how to think about God then. Like okay. that at least made sense to me as sick really as it was or like unpalatable it was 
yeah, it was a frame that made sense to me as much as I maybe hated it. And so I think, I think, yeah, now it's, it's more like, okay, well, I don't, yeah. Now what replaces that? So what keeps you like holding on to faith? Like you still call yourself a Christian work for a, you know, faith-based agency doing the good work of the Lord. Like what keeps you holding on if, or is this part of it? Like God is just testing you and you better stick to the work or. No, I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Better give up your life. Yeah. And all the money. And all the money. Um, Yeah. What keeps you holding on? I'm curious. I mean, I think that's part of what I'm, I'm like trying to figure out. Yeah. I I think for a long time there has been, uh, yeah, there's been a, like a moving away from maybe ways that I understood faith in God, but I don't think there's been anything that has replaced it yet. So what keeps me hanging on? Well, like I don't, I, I feel like a terrible Christian. I don't think I'm, I'm like doing this particularly well. So yeah, I think a part of it is like, I, yeah, I mean, there's that story. I think it's in John where John or Jesus just says these like outrageous things about cannibalism basically. Um, and the Jews are really upset with him and they all leave. And then he says to his disciples, like, well, are you going to leave too? And they're like, where else are we going to go? Like you have the words of life. Like, I feel like that a little bit of like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, there's like nothing else in this world that feels like it gives life either. So mm. this I shouldn't say either, but like, yeah, sometimes that's how it feels. I think so. I don't know. Yeah. Nothing makes sense the way that this does as like difficult as it has been mm-hmm. um, in the past. I think it's really come out kind of with my kids, right? Where I don't want them to know anything about the God that I knew growing up. Like I don't yeah. want their experience of him to be anything like it was, like mine was. I think that I have, I, I in my good days, I hope that the God that I am like trying to introduce them to or like the God that I pray to for them, that he exists, that he's real enough for me too. And yeah. I think on good days, maybe he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not not on other days. I mean, we didn't really get into it. But yeah, like depression makes that difficult too. Like when your brain is telling you things about yourself or about reality that aren't really healthy or true, like it's hard to like mm-hmm. have a clear lovely view of God so I think a lot of it is wrapped up in that too oh Matt thank you for sharing um yeah and thank you for not putting a bow on this I would like one to make me feel better but that's not what this is about yeah no I it is um uncanny what kids do to our faith like if we were wrestling before we're now like I don't know we're really in the octagon Mm -hmm. um yeah so um I just think like what a gift those boys are to you even though it's so hard um to be a parent but that like they're changing kind of the way that you see God and I think like when you say like on my good days or like in you know when I'm having a good day this is what I hope I can hold on to who I'm presenting God to be to them. 
And that's some good news. I think kids can, can provide you with their perspective because you filter everything through their lens, right? Of like, yeah. oh, like I, I would not, like I would never even think of if somebody told my kids this or like tried to teach them to live this way, like as normal as maybe mm-hmm. that felt for me, when mm-hmm. I think about then having that for the boys, I'm like, no, like that is, they know, keep that far. And I'm not just talking about faith, but like, even I think yeah. in terms of like upbringing and stuff, you know, it, things that maybe you grew up with and you're like, oh, that's just normal. And then you're like, but would I, would I do that to mm-hmm. my sons? Like, would I want them to experience that? Or would I want to, whatever, you know? And you're like, oh mm-hmm. no, actually that's really, um, that's really unhealthy. And then it makes you think like, okay, well, if it's unhealthy for them, then maybe it wasn't that normal for you either. Right. Um, I think the, I think the thing with anxiety, well, I think, yeah, I mean, anxiety and depression, right? The thing with anxiety is I think that, yes, it's, it's like a mental illness and and there are I'm sure there there are chemical things with it in terms of like how your brain processes things but mm-hmm. um i think um i don't want to speak for everybody but i think i think a part of anxiety is around um the idea of like safety right or like right. like anxiety is the thing that keeps you safe um mm-hmm. either like by like convincing you that like this is anxiety is like the thing that prepares you. And if you're prepared enough, you won't, you know, you won't get hurt as bad or like the worst won't happen or, you know, whatever it Mm is. So, yeah. So I think that that's why, like, even if, you know, even, even if you can, if there's a part of your brain or your experience that can objectively say like, Oh, like that is not healthy. That is anxiety or whatever. Mm -hmm. There is that other part of you that I think, especially if you've lived with it for a while that you're, you're just like trained to like, this is the thing that keeps me safe. It is safer to believe that God is like this because I'm more, because if he's, I don't know, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. If he's, if he's not like, you know, or if he is, and I don't, I don't react yeah. to him like this, then, then, you know, um, and then if, you know, you combine, not combine, but like depression then tells you other things about mm-hmm. like, about yourself or about um, the world. And unfortunately those things are often really negative or dark. And so a very, yeah, unhealthy view of God, I think, I think it makes sense a lot of times for somebody yeah. who, who lives with depression because, yeah, that's just kind of the reality. So, you know, a God who is, who is angry or who sees you as a failure or you feeling like a failure, like all those things, it's, uh, it takes a lot of, yeah, it takes a lot of work to like actively fight against that and try and believe something different. But like you mm-hmm. said, I think that's where things like kids are very helpful because they, you have this like, again, on good days, but like this objective thing that you can hold on to and be like, no, like I, no matter what, my brain is telling me or whatever, like, I know that I don't, that is not what I want for them. And like, that is a good thing. And so maybe, you know, maybe I can, can hope for that for myself too. So Mm -hmm. kids, you know? Yes, I do. I do know one of them. I guess it can be my last question. I know we've gone on long, but what do you, what have you found like particularly helpful or healing for you? 
kind of in your perception of God or in your faith journey or in like your mental health journey as well. Yes. I can yeah. think of a few things. So I think, right. and again, this, this is actually something that I'll, I'll talk about in another interview that I did, but mm. um, there came a point in my like Pentecostal experience where I couldn't, I don't, I, again, and I really, I really don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm dragging the Pentecostals here. It's just, that's just what I grew up in. Um, yeah. So it's possible that it's, it's like this in many evangelical faith traditions, but I think that I increasingly noticed that a lot of the worship music, for example, was very, um, it was very focused on the, on the experience of the worshiper. And I don't even necessarily mm. mean around like trying to get somebody to have an experience, but even like a lot of the songs were like about how much I love God or like how much I'll, right. when you, yeah, when you're not there for whatever reason, mental illness or just whatever, um, those songs suck. Like you can't, they just make you feel worse. Yeah. Like, what are you going to, like, yeah. I, I don't know how much I love God. I don't feel like I love him very much or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think even just like old hymns and I'm going to sound like such an old curmudgeonly man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, th I think like liturgy and, and, and some of the more traditional older hymns are helpful because they're not, they don't really talk about our experience. Like mm -hmm. they, it's not in the equation. Um, no. it, they're always very, yeah, God focused and, and yeah. focusing on like who he is or what he's done or his character. And like those again on, on better days, um, those are helpful because it takes the pressure off of me having to feel a certain way or respond a certain way. Um, yeah. and I, it's, yeah, it's a reminder of, of who God is, I guess, in spite of how I'm feeling or what yeah. I've done or whatever. Um, so I find that that, that can be helpful. <laughs> yeah. It sounds counterintuitive, but I mean, for me, like one, one of the, that we didn't talk about, like, but one of the mm -hmm. big manifestations of, of a, my anxiety around Christianity and religion was, uh, like reading the Bible, mm -hmm. um, where, yeah, it kind of, it kind of got to a point where I couldn't. I couldn't read very much of it without feeling just really like ashamed or condemned. And like, there would be passages that other people I think would, would like read and like, Oh, this is so hopeful or whatever. And I'm like, have you read like what that, like, I'm not that, like that is not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's been helpful to read the Bible less and like less often. Yeah. And like, there's probably only like at this point, And I, I hope that that will, change at some point but i think um at this point yeah there's there's only a few parts of the bible that i'm like reading because they're just because they're they're the parts that i can handle i think at yeah. this point yeah so that's been that's been good yeah i think those are the main things i think like just in terms of mental health in general like being outside as much as i can mm. um, has been good yeah i don't know there's just something about being outside of nature I think it's scientific I think I read yeah. that somewhere so yeah just like little things like that and uh I think deliberately deliberately building and trying to build in things that um that aren't performancey I guess that like right. are just like just trying to enjoy them for just the sake of 
the fact that you're doing them rather than any mm. specific outcome or um, goal or anything like that. Yeah, those would probably be the, the main ones. That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. That's our show for today. Special thanks to Mark Calvitis for the podcast cover art. This podcast deals with some pretty serious topics. If you are struggling with your mental health or are thinking about suicide, please reach out to a trusted friend or some other person you know loves and cares for you. There are also professional supports available. Please go online and visit Crisis Services Canada to find the distress centers and crisis organizations nearest you or call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566. They are available to talk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you are under 29, the Kids Help Phone has professional counselors available to provide confidential and anonymous care. Call them toll-free at 1-800-668-6868 or text the word CONNECT to 686868. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions about today's or any other episode, please email podcastdarkly21 at gmail.com. If you appreciate and enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or give it a rating on whichever podcast app you use, since apparently that makes it more likely other people will find it. Finally, because it's always good to end with a blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. As always, thanks for listening.